0: Welcome back to the Dr. Supercoach podcast, you're on once again with Chizo, and we're back in with another Rules Explained podcast and I'm on once again with Pistol, how are you champion?
1: I'm doing super well Chizo, and I'm very excited to actually You kind of nitpick Uh, the rules a little bit and try and find exactly how it's going to benefit
0: or disadvantage uh, players and our Supercoach sides for this season. Now, let's not get too ahead of ourselves. You've had an eventful weekend, mate. Tell us about that.
1: Um, No, we can keep it focused on a a Supercoach podcast, but yes, it was my uh, engagement
0: party this weekend, so thank you for asking. (laughs) Good to hear from you, mate. You disappeared for about 48 hours and I thought you'd been kidnapped, so uh, (laughs) good good to see that you're still with us and we're going to talk some Supercoach. My weekend pretty much revolved around the Patreon Keeper League Pistol. We, uh, I had picked number one somehow and took Brody Grundy. So hopefully his uh, name pops up uh, during the podcast today and uh, give us some, uh, you know, some feedback that that was actually a good selection. What do you think? <laughs> oh, look,
1: it, keeper leagues are difficult, obviously, because everyone has different strategies and tactics based on age. So I can give a diplomatic answer of it depends on where you are going with your side. You picked a young ruckman, um, Grundy, obviously, just in his prime, has another. You know, eight or so years of premium scoring. So I think that's a very,
0: very solid and safe pick in the Keeper League. Yeah, well, I hope so. We've got a, a few guys went ultra young. I think JB tried to go. He, he's trying to go for the flag this year, so he's picking like Taylor Adams and, and those kind of types. So uh, he might be a, a one and done kind of kind of team, sell off all these good players next year. I'm not sure. But uh, we do have a few names that we do have to call out because we've got 15 new patrons since our last podcast, Pistol. Um, I wasn't really expecting to have this many call out again, but we do have to go through them. i Apologise again it's if I fun. do get any of these wrong and it, It's fun for you because you get to sit there and listen to me Make the mistakes out of all the names yes. <laughs> So we've got Jackson Jacoby, Matthew Grimer Stephen Iwinitas, Andrew Camilleri, Joe Mazza Matt Sloan, the old Throttler, absolutely killing the uh, draft league Right now, uh, James <laughs> Coleman Tony Lane, Adam Warren Ben Partridge We have Pat Carroll Adrian Kellett, Patrick Kearney Damo Lamb and Toby Sonka. So absolutely fantastic to have all those guys on board and inside the inside the Slack channel pistol where uh, it's starting to pop off. We've just hit forty uh, patrons into the Slack channel. It's hard to keep up sometimes. Though. It's almost like we don't even need to be there anymore, mate.
1: <laughs> no, it's a lot of fun. You're just you know, <laughs> checking your phone intermittently and you always have just like a default supercoach discussion to just like jump into which is just a really cool thing you're like oh yeah I got this five minutes we're gonna look down Oh yeah, they're you know discussing R two, what we
0: should do about that. They're
1: discussing the forward primos. I'm like, this is this is handy. Um, so it's been awesome.
0: Yeah. The only problem for me is with the keeper league going. on, I've had to put my phone on silent or uh, on sleep mode a few times just because it's just buzzing so often with picks going on. So uh, <laughs> so I've had to ignore it a few times. Um, we'll jump into the uh, the ruck rule in a moment. I just want to revisit our kick in podcast that we did with the. Uh, uh, the, the Episode 1 of The Rules Revisited uh, Well, that's what we're doing This this podcast, Pistol Rules Revisited Has your opinion on how the kick-in rule uh, Might affect our players' scoring in 2019 After you've seen a few practice matches?
1: Yes, it actually has changed My opinion's changed a lot um, We'll obviously need to get a larger sample size And more data from the JLT But after watching the practice matches It hasn't gone exactly how I anticipated I mean, they are taking a very, well, some teams in particular are taking every single kick in being a play on. Others are more conservative, but generally more players are taking the kick ins and playing on. So the defenders as a whole are having an increase in scoring, but it doesn't seem like the individual kick in takers are as, I guess, first preference as they were last year. So for example, you know, Lloyd taking over 50% of Sydney Swan's kick ins. Um, I mean, Lloyd was a bad example because he actually did. But across other sides, people that had um, 50% of kick-ins weren't taking 50% of the kicks into the practice match. It was more like whoever was closest of the ball out of you know, four players that were like the dedicated kick-in takers, they were the ones that would take the kick-in. So it would end up just being like whoever was closest at that time who could get the ball back in play faster. And there was it was very obvious that not many teams were waiting for their designated kick-in taker. And if they were waiting... Then that kick and taker ended up like kicking it shorter because they had the opposition had more time to set up play and if they were kicking it shorter sometimes they stayed in the square. So if it was a fast kick out they played on, but you know the dedicated kick and takers weren't running it out every single time. So obviously that will change based on different teams and diff- who's taking those kicks for each team. But at the moment it doesn't. It hasn't seemed to go exactly as the plan. So I think um. I might need to rethink my defender premium strategy um, and maybe shift a couple of defenders around because it's looking like it's not going to have as large of an effect as uh, we had anticipated, Chiso.
0: Yeah, that's true. And just to emphasize on a point, one of the patrons went down, DTS, one of the boys from the Slack channel went down and actually took some notes for us. And uh, we're talking about Sicily, for example. We're expecting him to take a large majority of the Hawks' kickouts, particularly with Burton moved on to um, Port Adelaide. And we're seeing all over social media that, Sicily took 100% of the kick-outs and he went long every single time. Uh, not the case from uh, our boy that was down there. The first two kick-ins of the game seemed to have been taken by Stratton um, and Sicily provided a short op- option. Um, so they didn't wait for Sicily to get back down to um, the goal square to actually take the kick-outs. Sicily then took the following three uh, for the game when... Uh, Stratton sat out the second half, so uh, read into it whatever you would like. It looks like Sicily is going to be taking majority of the kick-ins, but just to further back up your point, because Sicily was on the mark for the shot on goal in the first instance, and Stratton was closer, they took the kick-in. So, um, I'd just like you maybe to touch on: Do you think that teams are going to have? Um, you talk about preferred options. Do you think they're going to have like a, a, a one, two, three, four, five, like a ranking system? Um, where if your number one kick-in taker is at the 50-metre arc, you know, the next closest on the list to the ball might be the, the next preferred option to try and take any of the decision-making out of who's going to take the kick. You just know that you're second on the list and you're close enough to it to go and get the kick. Uh, do you think something like that might take into effect? or um, I, th- I think trying to emphasise the fact that last year they did have a number one kick-in option That they would um, wait for them to go and get the ball because the kick-in was uh, you needed so much more efficiency to hit the target if that makes any sense.
1: Yeah, so I do think that they have preferred options. I think maybe instead of having a list of players who can take the kick-in, it might be easier just being saying who shouldn't take the kick-in. And you know, if there's someone that's notoriously got a poor um, kick or or something like that, they're probably not going to be running and getting the ball themselves because why would they be putting that? That pressure onto themselves but generally I think most people are capable and if you want to get the ball into play ASAP it's just going to be a lot of luck of where the player is standing at that point in time so there's probably a good you know as you said one two three four players that have like free reign to if they are close just take it and go and then there's probably another half a dozen that can do it if they're around and there's probably you know another dozen players that it's just no don't take the kick in please Uh, leave it up to the other guys so uh, that's I imagine that's what's going through their people's heads at the moment but it's certainly been very interesting seeing um, if teams are waiting for preferred kick in takers or if they're just you know going with whoever's closest and the JLT will give us a much larger sample size to be able to make uh, more judgment calls but at this point in time it is looking likely um, that although there will be a slight kick in boost for defenders for our top line primos that we thought would be taking you know every single kick in um and playing on from them it's not quite looking like that's going to be the case this year
0: yeah and i think there's going to be a few coaches soften on their stance of a deep defensive line for that reason but uh we will touch on that Uh, in further podcasts. We'll get onto the topic at hand for this evening pistol the ruck rule. We'll first off uh, define the ruck rule Um, a ruckman who takes direct possession of a ball from a bounce, throw up or boundary throw in will no longer be regarded as having prior opportunity from grabbing the ball out of the ruck. So essentially the last time that this was in place was 2002 so over the last 15 16 years if you took it out of the ruck and were immediately uh, tackled or dispossessed it was Deemed as holding the ball uh, Or prior opportunity Pistol that's not the case this year And just like we did with the, uh, the kick-ins Just break that down for us a little bit How do you think this is going to impact Is uh, in 2019 With this little rule change
1: Well I think my stance on that Since uh, we heard about the rules um, Way back you know, when we, I think we did our first podcast In December um, My stance has also slightly shifted um, On this one because Watching the practice matches as well Players will play to their strengths, Chizo. So if your strength isn't taking it out of the ruck, just because the rule is in place doesn't mean that you will naturally be fighting to take it out of the ruck, you know, every single time. Obviously when you've got players like Brody Grundy who do like taking it out of the ruck, they definitely will continue to take it out of the ruck and maybe they might be a little bit more adventurous, but we heard from Grundy himself on the Traders podcast who said he's not going to change anything about his game, he's just going to do what he did last year, um, which is great because he was dominant last year and if he can continue that, he's in for an absolutely wonderful season. So um, for me, I thought that it might increase the ruckman scoring potential and whilst I do believe that to be, um, I guess, a slight benefit to some ruckman, it won't benefit every ruckman equally um, because some players just don't like taking it out of the ruck and they're not going to change their play style based on that but it may affect it slightly differently in terms of instead of having Chizo a second weaker ruck so such as like a Sean Grigg how do you see that kind of that landscape changing uh, for the future for this season
0: well that's what we're hearing all in the pre-season that a lot of clubs are deciding or uh, well, at least toying with the idea of two designated ruckmen uh, at a time which would lead to less situations with, say, a Dean Towers or a Sean Grigg as that backup Ruckman. So there's going to be more times where there are two Ruckman going head-to-head rather than a mismatch with a Gorn going up against a Sean Grigg, for example. So the way that I think about it with that is that there's actually potentially less opportunities for them to, um, to be... You know, getting that height advantage and being able to just easily take it out of the ruck, you're going to be fighting one on one with another designated ruckman more of the time. So the way you know that I see that one is potentially there might actually be less chances on the whole during an entire game to do that if that's something that you're, um, you're something you're good at. We're talking about a Grundy or a Steph Martin here that are the two leaders for ruck hardball gets, uh, but you might have less opportunities for someone. Um, that isn't so much um, having a game that's tailored towards hardball gets in the ruck. So um, that's kind of the way that I see that. I think we're going to have less um, kind of fill-ins in the ruck uh, in in that instance. It's important to know, Pistol, that uh, the ruck hardball get um, is counted as a contested possession. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. And previous to this year, if you took it out of the ruck, it was still counted as a contested possession, but in 2019, um, it's going to be called a ruck hardball get, and you'll get those. Um, you'll get 4.5 points, uh, Fantasy Frico reported in his article, uh, for a ruck hardball get. I believe this year is just when we've actually got a name for it.
1: I believe that to be true. So to reiterate, last year when they grabbed it out of the ruck, and remove the ball, it was still, you know, counted as a hard, a contested possession, and it was still worth 4.5 points. So, the difference between now and last year is that they won't get pings for holding the ball, and there's just a name change. It's no extra like bonus points every time Grundy does it. He was still getting the points last year when he was doing it. So, I'm I'm starting to feel a bit deflated <laughs> about how this will uh, affect the Rux I'm Maybe we should. Potentially talk about um, maybe the, the top couple of Ruck choices and how we think the rule will affect those players um, in particular.
0: Yeah, uh, uh, just one one thing I do want to reiterate is that um, you, you said something really, really key that I don't want to gloss over is that this Ruck rule is not providing bonus points, right? Because you are already getting those points if you did a Ruck hardball get last season. So um, this year... To get those ruck hardball gets, you either have to be a ruckman that um, their game is tailored towards that, like a Steph Martin or a Grundy who are already getting the points, or on the other end of the spectrum, someone we're about to talk about, Max Gorn. In 2018, he took just one ruck hardball get in the entire season. So for him to benefit from any rule changes, he has to change his game quite significantly. So um, that's that's exactly what we do want to talk about just now. Um, I want to get your opinion here, Pistol. Do you think that this rule change is going to help those that tailored towards grabbing it out of the ruck more so because i'm seeing a lot of things on twitter and a, a few chats in the slack channel and things like that that think that someone like a gorn has a more scope for improvement because he doesn't usually take it out of the ruck but is that you know sacrificing his hit out game for trying to grab it out of the ruck how do you think he's going to approach 2019 and what's your opinion
1: it's a great question, and to be honest, we don't know. It's obviously all going to be speculation until the season starts and you know, we have more data from the JLT, but um, my gut feel is that players like Max Gorn, who are absolutely elite tap why would he start grabbing it out of the ruck just because he can, when he's got such a great hit-out-to-advantage rate right, at this point in time anyway? Especially because, you know, it opens him up to being tackled and not being able to get the clearances. And on top of that, he has an elite midfield around him, so why wouldn't he want to utilize that cheeseo? So I feel like even though Gorn only took it out of the ruck once last year, that's because that's his play style. Like That's how he plays the game of football. And just because there's a slight rule change that means he won't get caught for holding the ball if he grabs it out of the ruck, he doesn't need to grab it out of the forward ruck. I feel like if that's going to affect any type of player in particular, it might be the ruckmen in the forward 50 because they're the ones that can grab it out of the ruck and then they're the ones that can have a quick ping at goal and have a quick shot on goal. And if we're going to judge it by the JLT, where Pruce rucked in the forward line and Max Gorn took the rest of the oval, that's not even going to affect Gorn at all because he's not even going to be rucking in the forward 50. So um, I feel like Max Gorn is just going to do kind of what he did last year, but also potentially have have lost the forward 50 ruck duels um, and because Pruce is actually going to be in that side.
0: Yeah, that, that's a really good point to make. Um, in the, the trial game, um, that that's also another thing that does kind of set me back a little bit on Gorn because we're talking about a lot of coaches that want to do, or at least talking about the two ruck, uh, two ruckmen in the team, and even if he. Uh, if Bruce is only getting one centre bounce a quarter, that's one centre bounce a quarter that Gorn's not getting that he might have been getting otherwise. Or, you know, when Gorn wasn't in the centre bounces last year, it was just for brief moments while uh, they were quickly giving him a break and they had uh, maybe a Tom McDonald in there just for one or two. But now that they have another designated quality Ruckman in Bruce who is, in the VFL level, is just above and beyond anything else he's got to work against, he's another legitimate option and there's the potential that he's no longer now a chop out for Gorn. He's actually going to take maybe one or two a quarter away. So his total amount of attendances at boundary throw-ins and um, you know the game supposedly opening up um, with the new six 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 rule is there going to be less overall congestion? Is there going to be less overall ball ups and things like that? If he's an elite tap out Ruckman and he's getting less attendances at that, that is also playing negatively against him. So um, I, I think in 2019 we're going to see a few teams take on the Collingwood model where they had their you know semi-Ruckman in um, Mason Cox staying in the forward line a la what Bruce has done in their pre their, um, preseason hit-out. So... Um, that's just, I guess, my opinion on that pistol. But um, I, I think things look a little bit better for Grundy because I think the Ruck-Hardball-get situation is going to help those that have already got it as part of their game, as opposed to someone like Gorn, who has not really had that as a strength in the past. And again, if we look at Fantasy Freako's article Uh, Grundy and Martin are equal first with 91 ruck hardball gets over the past three home and away seasons whereas Gorn ranks 32nd with just 6th and with only 1 in 2018. So those predicting that Gorn is going to have a massive jump up in points this season, while it is possible he might do that, we're basing that on the fact that Gorn has to completely change the way he plays and what his strengths are. And remember, Ruckman aren't just going to start grabbing it out of the ruck because they get extra points in Supercoach. It has to be a meaningful decision that is going to help their side. And if they think that that's the best way to help with um, clearances and getting it to their midfielders, they might do that. But in in Gorn's case, I think he would still kind of um, go towards that hit out um, to advantage ratio more than grabbing it out of the ruck. And that does also bring up an interesting question here, Pistol. With the ability to grab it out of the ruck, it's probably going to across the competition see it happen more frequently than previous years. Is that going to impact some of our midfielders with their clearance work? I mean, we don't know again until the JLT.
1: But you're right. If if there's going to be even one more ruckman, you know, one more attempt per game of a ruck pulling it out of a ruck and you know booting it long, that's one less clearance that the midfield. Brigade could have gotten. So maybe it might affect the midfielders, but I feel like it might be very minimal. But again, we'll have to wait and see in the JLT, um, see how that plays out. But it is a good point because it could possibly impact it a lot, especially if um, new Ruckman, new club, there's a couple going around, or even some, um, you know, I guess younger preferred options moving up the ranks like uh, uh, Lewis Pierce, if maybe he adapts his style based on the rule, who knows? Um, players that don't have a really set style yet could make you know, an adaption to their own game so that they can take advantage of the rule. Although I do severely doubt that. She's um, just back onto the, the Grundy first, uh, I guess I was going to say versus Proust versus, versus Gorn. Cause I, can you really talk about Gorn without talking about Bruce? Um If Melbourne are pushing to make fi- finals, such as last year and Gorn was, you know, carrying a little niggle, there was no way they could afford to rest him because they need, him to play so that they can win games but this year they actually have someone who is capable to just see out the match so i think that's another thing against gona is that they have the ability now to rest him if they desperately needed to i'm um, not saying he will get rest, and i still obviously expect him to play every match but it's just an extra little you know let's let's if we're putting the pros and cons down it's probably worthwhile adding into the cons of Gawn, so um, I do I do see Grundy as the the far superior pick, and as you said, the, the players that already taken out of the ruck are probably gonna just feel a bit more confident in that, a bit more um, adventurous, and they might do it a couple more times, but um, we'll wait and see. But um, Chizo, I'm gonna throw back a question to you sure. um, specifically about the R2 situation. Um, do you want to potentially run through? a list of guys you think are worthwhile selections at R2 and, and how maybe your opinions changed since uh, the last couple of weeks?
0: Yeah, sure. So obviously um, in previous weeks, we've been pretty hot on you know a mid-pricer at R2. The reason that I was advocating that is because we had quite a few options that we could pick from. We had a Naismith. We had a Longer. We had even a Pruce. We had Lewis Pierce. Um, we even had a, a Mumford. There was a few options that you could uh, you could narrow down in the preseason, and one of the schools of thought was we could let them you know, average 80 as the number one ruck um, and just generate a bit of cash while we find out exactly who R2 is going to be because we're fairly confident at least Grundy's going to be one or two but we're not quite quite sure how it's going to play out um, for the rest, rest of that obviously in the past uh, week or two weeks we've seen Naismith being ruled out for the start of the season Billy Long has uh, injured his hamstring, so he, he's going to be compromised coming into the start of the season. Uh, and then you're left with options like Braden Proust, which we're still not entirely sure how much game time and rot roll he, he is going to be, but it looks like he's going to be that forward presence, um, which means he's not a number one ruck, so he, he's scoring more as a forward than he is as a ruckman um so that's not good for for scoring and then we've got uh Lewis Pierce from the Saints who is now probably taken that number 1 ruck mantle from Billy Longer but they have we have our own issues with that um uh, because he's never had uh you know more than uh, a, a few games in a row so we have no exposed form to know if he's going to be a worthwhile selection with the possibility of not being able to trade him to anyone if the likes of Fort and Zach um Clark aren't getting games uh, as a downgrade because it would be very difficult to upgrade Lewis Pierce if he's not um, uh, getting consistent gains or he disappears as soon as Longer comes back. So there's obviously a lot of issues. For that reason, I'm seeing pretty much all uh, coaches looking for another option. They're getting scared out of that mid-price, mid-price range and they're looking for someone a little bit more elevated. And we're seeing a lot of people flock to a Todd Goldstein and a Toby Nankervis. The reason being, and the two things that I do like about these two guys, is they both had really good back ends to the year, averaging, I think Goldstein was 110, and the Nank was 106 after the buys for those two. They are uh, slightly underpriced when you're looking uh, at, the fact that you've got to outlay seven hundred, six hundred and fifty thousand for the likes of a Grundy or a Gorn, whereas Todd Goldstein's five fifty and Nankervis is three uh, five thirty three, um, but also they're the designated rucks for their their teams. There's less uncertainty around their role. We know Goldstein's going to be number one. He doesn't have much to back him up. We know Toby Nank is the number one ruck. And he doesn't have a whole lot to back him up. And so we're seeing a lot of coaches flock to this R2. Um, We're kind of locking in knowing that these guys won't probably match uh, a Grundy or maybe not even match a Gorn, but they're looking for safety. And so they're cashing out other areas of their team to try and um, lock up an R2 that they don't have to panic about because that underpriced Ruckman is still looking a little uh, little bit sketchy, particularly with... Um, uh, Mumford being suspended for an extra week so that sets back the start of his season even further um, so that that's making him really really risky so um, I, I I think that kind of sums up my situation right now I'm happy with Grundy at R1 R2 is literally still up in the air pistol I'm uh, with one of those higher price guys at the moment but it could be anything come to the end of JLT in the start of round one
1: I mean, I think you've pretty much said it all. There's there's just too much uncertainty. Obviously, if you you know want to pick Sean Darcy, you might want to be able, you might want to do that because we don't really know when Sandy Lance is meant to return. They're saying you know round four-ish. and well, if he comes back exactly at round four, then you've just got you know Sean Darcy's r two not playing any games until Sandy gets injured again. So these picks just carry. I guess so much risk and some people are going the double rookie so um, the Fort and Clark combo and we're really really going to need to focus on those uh, players during the JLT to see if they actually are going to get a gig in round one because if one of the two of them doesn't play in round one you really don't want to be taking both of them as your R2 and R3 Um, I think that might just be suicide for your season, it just takes one bad game for you know, just say Fort does play round one, if he has a stinker I mean he's probably going to get dropped they've got four ruck options so um those those options there carry so much risk that at this stage it feels like almost feels like my hand is forced um into selecting someone who I think is going to be a really solid R2 instead of someone cheaper and then upgrading them so uh, for me at the moment I'm I'm looking at either a Gorn or Goldstein probably Goldstein after we've just been Pretty much slamming Gorn for majority of this podcast. <laughs> um, I do think Gorn will outscore Goldstein though, so that's why it's um a bit it's a it's a bit of a strange situation. There's a 150k price difference. That's a lot of money, and I, I don't think Gorn is worth 692k, but I do think he will average more than Goldstein. So I kind of feel bad picking. I guess the the we'll say the worst option. But you have to take the price into consideration. Um, It is a long season. It is a long preseason. The JLT games are going to make sure that I completely rearrange my entire team. So uh, we'll probably have to discuss that again on another podcast before the the start of the season. Um, Just one more thing I want to touch on, Cheezo, before we wrap up. Um, A lot of teams are flocking because of the uncertainty. He's in in 14% of teams. A lot of people are picking... The Hoff, Justin Westhoff, because he is a forward ruck, and I think the thought behind him is that they they plonk him at R two, and then as the season progresses, they then um, shift him into the forward line once they know who the good R two is. Um, what do you think of that strategy, especially taking into consideration the fact that Hoff is you know 550k Chezo.
0: Look, I'm not super impressed by it because when he lost his ruck role towards the end of last season, he really did drop away on average when he was doing that, that rucking towards the, the beginning of the year. He started uh, fantastically averaging above 100, but in the back half of the year when he lost that ruck roll, um, he just didn't have that same fire. And If I just so uh, read out some numbers, uh, it's dangerous to just look at pre and post-buy averages, uh, but for the Hoff, 107 pre-buy, which was fantastic, and then only 97 post-buy. Uh, so he's lost 10 points just from the fact that um, he's lost that role as a ruck. They've obviously got Lysette in there now. Um, he's not going to be used as a ruckman. I, I can't imagine ever during the 2019 season unless there's some catastrophic injuries um, going on. Um, and then when you look at it, the fact that he's priced at 101, he's he's priced. Uh, he, you're paying more than what he's going to be worth um, during the season. I just don't see him as being, um, you know, a top six forward come end of the year, especially with the likes of Danger uh, in there as well. Heaney, um, Smith, uh, is probably going to get more mid-time. Tim Kelly's going to improve again. I just don't see... I see him being squeezed out of the top six um, as a forward, so I see the value on using that forward uh, ruck swing, um, but I just don't think it's worth the outlay at the start of the season for what you're going to get back from him considering you're going to have to hold him. There's not going to be a time in the year where you're going to have a luxury trade to increase your F6 from Justin Westoff to a Heaney. I just don't see that happening. So for the 14% that do have him, I can totally see the justification for having him there. We should say, I think R1 and R2 are going to be Grundy and Gorn. I think there's going to be daylight to third, and that's probably going to be um, you know maybe a Goldstein. And there might be Uh, a 10 points difference between R2 and R3 on the list at the end of the year. But that's the whole point of why we're not locking in GORM. We don't actually know yet. And so the allure of having someone that we can um, have there at 300K, making a little bit of money and just so we can sit back and actually find out and, and see the data about who is going to be the R2 we need to select because if you select Gorn or Nankervis at the start of the year or, or Goldstein for example and they don't end up being anywhere close to the top two um, you're stuck with them for the year again you have to find a luxury trade somewhere to upgrade them so if you've got um, Grundy last year won 30.4 Gorn won 27.5 and then third was Steph Martin at 105.7 if you got stuck with Goldstein averaging 101 or is averaging 98.2 you're leaving 30 points on the table every week by not having this, uh, an R2 that um, is leagues ahead of your Ruckman so that's uh, that's the allure of uh, of wanting to use someone like a off pistol but I think at this stage, he's just not a player that I'm interested in for those reasons.
1: Yes, and as somebody who didn't have Grundy and had Steph last year, losing that 25 points per game every single week, and it was even more because Grundy went bananas after the bye, uh, that was absolute killer because I just didn't have the luxury trade available uh, to be able to go um, smart into to Grundy. Um, also, just another note with the Hoff, obviously Paddy Ryder was injured for a large part of early of last season, so... Um, the fact that you know he will play, Lyset will play And then you've got the Hoff who can pretty much be thrown anywhere um, Paying that much for him when Goldstein is like 8k more Or even less, I can't remember, off the top of my head <laughs> They're around the same price um, Then it's a, pretty much a no-brainer After Goldstein averaged, what was it, 110 since around 9 last year So you can't really justify, I think, picking somebody who's more than 10 points per game worse than somebody at the exact same option, um, sorry, at the exact same price, just because they
0: have DPP. I mean, it, it, yeah, it doesn't, doesn't really sit so well with me, Cheeso. Yeah, you, you're compromising a position just to have the DPP. And it probably saves you a trade, but it also probably means that you do miss out on some cash generation at R3. Um, with it looks like we're going to have a, a couple options this year. I should touch... Um, you did mention Zach Clark popping up at R2 and R3 uh, quite a lot in preseason games. I think those that have him at R2, it's just ludicrous. Pistol. As an Essendon supporter, I honestly don't see where we can fit him into our team a, at the moment. I, I don't think he's going to be a regular at this situation because we do have a few taller guys that are able to... Um, more than satisfactory. Do the ruck. Uh, I've seen Hooker do it on uh, on occasions that uh, is more than capable. So uh, I, I, I don't <laughs> Hooker. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I don't that's think not, that, that's not back Hooker. <laughs> I, I don't think that he's going to be a regular. And anyone that has Zach Clark at R two uh, could really be frantically making some changes prior to prior to lockout. Um, trying to find the cash to upgrade them to someone. And the thing is, if you're trying to make that decision on who you want to bring it at R2 10 minutes before lockout of round one, you've really set yourself behind because you're going to compromise and change someone out of your team that you really like just to drastically change your, your ruck line. So I, I think I think the better option is to you know maybe pick someone more expensive that... Um, uh, like a Goldstein or a Nank and go from there than uh, having a Zach Clark or a Darcy Ford at R2 because I think you're just asking for trouble doing that, Pistol.
1: Yep. No, I, I do agree with you, Cheezo. I think we should uh, pretty much wrap up. If you, if if there is actually one more thing I would like to say, Cheezo... There's know, always uh, one more thing, Pistol. I was going to say shock. <laughs> shock, I've got one more thing to say. Um, no surprises there. Um, I did want to give a shout-out um, to... Tim Fuller, Um, I want to say thank you so much, Tim, for your donation to the Cancer Council. Uh, We are still running that, of course, Um, so very much uh, welcome. Thank you, Tim, for supporting us in our Cancer Council fundraising. We will again definitely be posting um, the link to our Cancer Council in the comments and um, hopefully description as well, since we forgot that in the last podcast. Um, so that you can, uh, yeah, I guess, follow our progress there. And, and, well, if you like the episode, you can also maybe have a a little donation uh, to the Cancer Council on our behalf. That would be absolutely awesome. Um, And Cheezo, did you want to rattle off potentially our social medias?
0: Yeah, sure. So if you do want to find us during the week, you can catch all our news from our Dr. Supercoach Facebook page or our Dr. underscore SC Twitter handle. That's where you can find us there. If you do want to find us individually, you can find me at Chizo with a Z underscore DRSC, Pistol at Pistol underscore DRSC, and JB at JB underscore DRSC. And uh, that pretty much... Uh, is where you can find us. And if you do want to have a look at the Patreon to get us some uh, behind-the-scenes action on the podcast and how we produce everything, and a little bit of before and after chat that goes into creating these, then just have a look at the Patreon page because uh, we've got a lot of things on offer, a lot of exciting things happening in 2019, Pistol. I'm uh, I'm pretty pumped,
1: mate. I'm super pumped. And again, it's the Slack provided an opportunity for you guys to have Keeper Leagues. I think they did a draft pretty much two hours before yeah, they're just like hey you, you guys want to do a draft tonight and then it's just done so um it's a great way connecting fans uh, all across the globe uh, we do have the people from other countries um, so once again thank you for joining me chizo thanks to all the listeners and we'll catch you next time peace